not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 55 of the podcast and it's going to be a special one. It's a very exciting one because it's the return of Seven Stones. Now, uh, long-time listeners and people very familiar with the Middle-Earth strategy battle game community will know all about Seven Stones. It's a big tournament that happens in London um, with... Now let me get this right, 64 players, I want to say, 32 teams, uh, something like that. Anyway, it's a doubles tournament and it's essentially the most thematic tournament on the uh, on the calendar or in, probably in existence um, because it's all about um, the theme and the, the sort of fun and the, the kind of the losing all the competitive bonuses for your armies so things like legendary legions uh, don't exist you don't get any bonuses for uh, legendary legions um, and there are, there are great little profiles that have been introduced into the event pack to allow you to run armies that you perhaps or models that you perhaps wouldn't normally do so for example Gandalf the White on cart um, from the Grey Havens is there. Um, and I'm trying to think of the others. Uh, one will come up later, so I'll, I'll save that one. But either way, there's there's loads of stuff going on. It's organised by Damien and Tom, um, formerly of the Palantir, uh, currently of SBG magazine fame, um, which is a sort of biannual, I suppose, magazine, um, a fanzine that uh, produces some of the best um, Middle-earth strategy battle game content that you can read. In fact, it, it, there's no bones about it. It's the best content you can read um, about the game, SPG. Um, there's some great blogs out there, but um, I, I, I can't I can't, with all good conscience, say that anyone anyone else's magazine or, or content is superior because it's just fantastic. The effort, the the detail, the 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 photography that goes into that magazine is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't heard of it? Uh, have a look up SBG magazine, and there are free copies available on the internet, and you can donate for physical copies. So, um, with that in mind, it's it's doubles as well, which is exciting. So uh, we'll hear from Michael Haskell, my partner, later on, um, long-suffering partner um, of the uh, tournament, and we're going to have a grand old time because, uh, as I said, this is a thematic tournament. It's just a bit of fun, which is... I'm just... I'm really excited for it. So uh, we've got that. We've got the Riddle in the Dark coming up. We'll be talking to uh, as many of the opponents as possible, um, if not all of them. Uh, We're talking to Damien and Tom, if we can. This is going to be a tight schedule for the tournament. Uh, And also Michael as well. And hopefully grab some of the winners, uh, the winning pair, who uh, essentially in this tournament, it's not actually the winners of the sort of top group. Um, It's actually the best team um, who are declared winners of Seven Stones, so we'll talk to them uh, later on. Um, Just a quick quick one on the the, uh, sort of makeup of the tournament, because it's actually quite complicated. Um, For an insanely uh, thematic um, sort of tournament, there's some great rules for the event pack. So essentially, on day one, you're divided into like a a pool. Um, So it's a bit like the World Cup, uh, Football World Cup. Um, uh, You've got sort of uh, pools of, I think it's four teams... Um, who all, uh, or not all of them, but you, I think you play uh, two or two of the other um, teams in your group, and then whoever wins that group um, goes on to play for the Palantir Cup, um, which is uh, the sort of, in quote unquote, competitive side of the tournament, which in reality isn't actually that competitive at all um, then there's the the people who come second in their group end up going on into the Palantir plate let me get that right probably uh, apologies if I got it wrong then there's the Palantir mug then there's the Palantir spoon and um, so all four uh, people uh, sort of go into it or four teams go into a group on the second day and if they win all of their games on the second day they will then go on to win a prize which is all very nice and jolly and lovely because lots of people get a chance to buy uh, to take something home um, which is exciting exciting there's also painting and there's sportsmanship and there's all the other things and there's also a most heroic act of the tournament so there's lots of little things that happen there's lots of fun because of the 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 sort of setup of the tournament is actually quite complex and interesting it allows for lots of different opportunities to have a great game have a great laugh and 
you know, maybe come home with a prize. Um, so it's it's a delight. It truly is a delight. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, on uh, as we record this tomorrow, um, I'm going to be I'm going to be making. Uh, playing a game, a sort of casual game on the Saturday uh, with Alex Temple of Battle Camper fame. So that that'll be exciting. Um, I get to have a bit of a there's like a free day of relaxation and uh, games and all that sort of stuff on the Saturday, which is cool. So uh, it's nice to be able to meet people, have a bit of a uh, bit of a drink and go for a curry on the Saturday night. So that's coming up um, in, in terms of uh, the sort of social stuff. Then on the Sunday is uh, the first part of the double tournament. Uh, Monday, Bank Holiday Monday, is the uh, the final sort of day and the conclusion of the tournament and all that sort of stuff. So it's like a whole, full whole Bank Holiday weekend. So uh, apologies to uh, uh, future Mrs. Parkhill, um, uh, my fiance Wheezy, who, uh, you know, she's losing me for the whole weekend, but for Seven Stones, it's a great one. So uh, next time she'll hopefully have to come along and be my doubles partner. Um, but uh, with that in mind, uh, we need to come up with an army. And um, Michael usually leaves this down to me. Um, he suggests ideas and I kind of ignore them and <laughs> tell him I want to do this. And he says, yeah, yes fine because he's a lovely person like that and so uh, i think i came up with this idea it's certainly one of the ideas that we suggested um anyway let's let's go on we've got to got to build an army so the army is pretty straightforward it is the good guys from the warg attack which happens in the two towers film which i I've always loved. It's been one of my favourite sort of openers to a DVD. Um, I remember uh, as a very young uh, teenager, uh, sort of, I guess, pretty much as soon as the the second film came out on the extended edition, I would rinse the second disc of Two Towers every weekend over and over. And it starts with uh, Gimli sort of saying, "It's true, there's you know no dwarf women. Uh, it's true, whatever." Uh, and uh, I just love it. Uh, and it then proceeds straight into the Warg attack, which is fantastic. What an opening! to a dvd which i love um so i thought yeah let's crack on and do that because it's a it's actually a a yellow alliance because the fellowship of the ring is a uh you know where the three hunters are is a is a yellow alliance with the fed and so on which is a bit odd i find but i guess you don't want to drop gandalf into third and and that's the reason so um and of course the 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 fellowship is technically broken up by the time those guys are um, uh, those guys are, are arrive in uh, in Rohan. So so it's Yellow Alliance, which is great because it fits the theme. It's super themey, but it's definitely not gaining any um, bonuses to to you know make the army uh, even slightly competitive, which is fabulous. But we we're not going to settle there. No no no. We're going to have to hamper hobble ourselves a little bit even more um, for the sake of theme. So we start with the army. Um, Theoden on horse. Full stop. Now. Usually you would add armour and you'd add a shield because you want a defence seven uh, Theoden because he's going to be a leader. Um, But, of course, can you see a shield in there? No. Can you see the armour? No, because he has has yet to say where's the horse and rider, where's the armour and all that sort of stuff. So it's great. Uh, So he's got no armour. Good old Theoden using the wonderful, beautiful old Wagatuck model where he's sort of raising the uh, raising the sword into the air and uh, sort of his horse is sort of rising up. It's it's an absolutely beautiful model. I've, I've really enjoyed painting that. Uh, and accompanying him are uh, three royal guard with throwing spears and two riders of Rohan and one rider of Rohan with throwing spears. I think that's right. Um, I haven't got the list directly in front of me. I can't find the bit of paper that I wrote it all on. Uh, it's it's going to be right, though. Uh, apologies if I get it wrong already. Um, so that's him. That's it. Uh, then there is Gambling, of course, on horse. Has he got any armor? No. Well, yes. Has he got a shield? No. Has he got a banner? Absolutely not. So that's what he'll be riding to to war with. Just his horse, uh, and he'll go with uh, three royal guard and two riders of Rohan. And then we will have Hammer, no horse, on his own, deployed at the front because. What happens first? Hammer's knocked off his horse by a wag and he's munched up. So we thought, wouldn't it be great fun if we had Hammer deployed right at the front of the army 
uh, and we have to protect and save Hammer as often as we can. Maybe change the course of history. So a uh, lot of fun there. That's going to be great. And also a great use for Hammer. Who, You know what? Before we decided to do this, I'd never used him at all. I had no idea what he did. Uh, looked at his profile and he's got her at defence. I thought, oh, actually he's not bad. Um, so he's all right. He's good. 55 points on foot. And he's right at the front of the, um, of the army, which is really exciting. Uh, and he's got no guys with him because, of course, he's on his own except for gambling at the front. So, you know, we've just left gambling a little bit behind. Um, and then accompanying them all is the three hunters. We've got Leggy on horse with Gimli as well, uh, and Aragorn on horse with Anduril. So that is the only sacrificial uh, thing. It's it's book Anduril, uh, sorry, book Aragorn, because of course he has Anduril reforged in before he leaves with the Fellowship of the Ring. In the film he gets it a bit later. But um, we just thought uh, we're not going to have any armour on any of them, so let's get the full 800 points and crack on and give ourselves some killing power, which would be a bit of fun. So uh, that's the army. Uh, we've got 17 models. Um, of course, uh, seven of those are heroes, or six of those are heroes, so that's good. Um, but it is it is a bit fragile, it's fair to say. Um, and we don't have any charging bonuses for the Rohan. We don't have the fellowship bonuses or anything like that. So it's going to be tricky to do well with, I think. But I think it's going to be a bit of fun, um, and I hope I hope our opponents think so as well. It's it's been great fun painting them. Um, I know uh, Michael's been painting the Leggy and Gimli on a horse, which of course we won't gain any benefit in a Dernhelm slight uh, type broken way. We will just have Gimli fall off the horse um, before he Leggy, Legolas goes into combat. So that's exciting, uh, and take a throne rider check. Maybe maybe at one point he'll get to charge. We'll see. Um, so that's that's the army. That's what we're taking. Seven stones will go over to uh, uh, London in a few minutes time but first Yes, that's right. Riddles in the Dark. This is the time in the podcast where basically I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies and you have to guess who or what speaks next and what they say. Here's a listen to episode 53's riddle. Yes, we're sitting on two episodes worth of riddles just because they're coming so quick and fast. The tournaments at the moment, I'm I'm overwhelming myself with tournaments, which means you're not keeping abreast with uh, with the entries to Riddle in the Dark. But that's fine. We have got a few entries uh, into the podcast this episode. So let's delve into the Entmoot podcast at Gmail inbox and we can have a quick gander at the uh, sorts of answers uh, we've got. First, it's Russell Priest uh, who's gotten in touch, and he says it's either Sauron or Aragorn, but I'm not sure. He says I'll need to watch it. Gutted. Um, so excellent. You've you've narrowed it down very quickly there, Russell. Uh, and I believe you uh, sent that to me on Facebook. Do send it to entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. Just makes it easier for this section uh, of the podcast for me. Uh, but let's delve into the uh, inbox properly now. Let's have a look. It's from Sean Sproul. Uh, Sproul? I, I still don't get your name right, Sean. I'm so sorry. Uh, Sean, uh, he's been in touch and he says, First, I thought it was one of the scenes with the ring on initially, but it was obvious when you said what army you were playing. The scene is obviously at the Black Gate and Sauron turns his gate to Aragorn, who appears to be wavering. The next words spoken are by Sauron, who whispers, Elisar. And then Aragorn gives us the great For Frodo. Definitely going to try and get over to Ireland, though, at some point for this tournament. It sounds great. Yes, that was in reflection, not for the previous episode, uh, but the previous, previous episode uh, when I went to Ireland. And, Sean, I believe you've got the scene exactly right. But have you got the correct answer? Let's uh, delve into the inbox again and have a look at Callum Moorsman's message. Hi, Callum. He says, hi, Harry. I hear congratulations are in order. Who'd have thought little men in loincloths would be the key to your success? I know, Callum, this is in reaction to the woes is the pass of the druid and doing so well at um, my slow grow league. I'll have to try them again at another tournament. Um, I think they definitely favour good versus evil, but I'm starting to think maybe they're good. But either way, I'm excited to give them another uh, a spin, but uh, it's exciting that I won something. Um, he says, since my last email, you'll be pleased to hear I've taken your advice and booked my first tournament, Element 
Legends, MESBG at Element Games at the end of June. Okay, I have not encountered that uh, tournament at all. Element Games is a great place for a tournament, though, so uh, you'll have a great time. Looking forward to experiencing the tournament scene and hopefully get some beginner's look with my Gilgalad and Rivendell list. To be fair, with Gilgalad and Rivendell, you know, just roll sixes, and then you're, you're never going to lose, <laughs> so you're all good. Um, and he says, if I'm correct, the riddle in the dark is Aragorn at the Black Gates, as he whispers, for Frodo before he leads the glorious charge against Sauron's forces. So, who's right? Sean thinks it's Ar- uh, sorry, Sauron saying LSR. Callum says it's Aragorn saying for Frodo. And um, Russell Priest says it's either Aragorn or Sauron saying LSR. Which one is it? Let's find out. So well done to all of you for spotting the scene correctly, but of course it was sneakily, very sneakily, Sauron. It didn't get you all, it didn't trip you all up, uh, but I'm glad to have tripped you up, Russell. I think it was Russell who said that, or was it uh, Callum? Either way, uh, well done to uh, all of you for getting this scene right, but Sean, you definitely take home the prize, because you got it exactly right. It was, of course, Sauron saying LSR and whispering some black speech, and then uh, uh, moving on to... Aragorn himself shouting for Frodo, which of course uh, was connected to the fact that I took Aragorn and Gandalf to Ireland, which is very good. So, with that in mind, let's crack on with another riddle. Hmm, okay, okay, and now we're on to something. So who speaks next, and what do they say? Let's have another listen to the clip. Who speaks next? What do they say? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com, if you think you know the answer. Podcast at gmail.com if you think you know the answer to who speaks next and what they say for the riddle in the dark for this episode. So with that in mind, uh, we've got some riddles done. Uh, we've done the uh, building the army. Uh, we've done the sort of setup for Seven Stones. So I think it's right about time that we had a wander on over to the Seven Stones tournament in uh, London at St. Mary's University in Twickenham for our very first game and have a bit of a chat about doubles, about theme, about costumes and just have a good old time. Let's head to the tables. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? I can't stop, I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. Right, round one, game number one of the uh, the Seven Stones. It's very exciting. Uh, we've got the Warg attack. We've got Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli who jumps off the horse at some point. Uh, we've got Ashley and Callum as well who we've been playing against in the first round in recon. Um, so first of all, just, just give us a run through uh, each of your halves of the army because, uh, of course, it's doubles here. So, we, uh, so our army is a uh, Pelennor Fields theme. So my half was is the Haradrim. So I have a Mummock and a smattering of guys. And then the uh, yeah, I've got uh, Gothmog, Gothmog's Enforcer, a bunch of Moranans. Lovely, lovely. So lovely thematic, very good. And we're playing recon, so because it all relies on the who comes on first and things like that. And the Mummet came on first and made a beeline for Hammer, who we deployed early on because we're allowed to because it's thematic. Yeah, the plan was for the Mummet to mash his way through and trample his way through, but first turn managed to kill two trees and then fail to do any wounds on Hammer. Um, it was a then, delightful <laughs> moment, it must be said. <laughs> which then left him next turn, oh, do a bit more trampling, did eventually manage to kill Hammer, 
but then was stopped in his tracks by Theoden, got completely surrounded and taken out before the orcs could even turn up. Yeah, it's fair to say your tramples didn't didn't quite recreate the Pelennor fields in the way that you would hope with the ro- uh, trampling of the Rohan. I mean, there, there was one turn where we it, it could have just gone so badly wrong, and as you say, you, you trampled into Theoden and bounced off him somehow, which was which is delightful for us because it meant we just surrounded him and killed him in one go. I mean, plenty of might spent, but there I, I did feel a little bit bad because you kind of were just sitting watching for the rest of the game. I mean, it's a good spectator sport at yeah. least. So <laughs> yeah, so it, I mean, I did I did um, manage to survive the Beastmaster survived the fall for one more turn um, went straight for Theoden but alas it was um, you know I think it was a foregone conclusion he was always going to go yeah it was curtains for the chieftain at that point but uh, then it came the other half of the Pelennor fields which we kind of did backwards I suppose because it should have been this way around but and um, the the Moranans, once they hit, um, it became a, a, a little bit more of a actually quite a difficult game for us. I mean, just just walk us through what, what, what was happening there. Uh, yeah, there were a, a couple of bad turns for me, uh, especially when I called Time of the Orc and mm. didn't manage to get any wounds. Uh, but then there were a couple of decent turns of combat after that. I managed to stop you from getting uh, any more than one model off the board, um, which was which was pretty good. Uh, not a lot else I could do. Got some wounds on some heroes, but. I did kill Theoden, which was uh, which was what I was after. Yeah, that was a little bit of a tactical mistake on our behalf, thinking, oh yeah, Legolas and and uh, and Theoden can t- tag team and kill Gothmog or whoever. It might have just been a normal orc, wasn't it? It was a normal orc, I think. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just 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 a normal guy. Yeah, just throwing Theoden in because why not? Extra dice in the combat, lose oh, the combat, and then bam, Theoden goes down to a, a standard Moran and orc. But I suppose again, recreating the theme of the Pelennor, Theoden didn't survive, so it's it's absolutely right that uh, that he goes down. And just obviously, this is. A very thematic tournament. We're leaning into the the theme here over the weekend, and everyone's brought theme. I mean, what, what do you think about the the sort of atmosphere so far uh, of this tournament? And you know, seeing people wander past in costumes and outfits and things like that. Oh, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, this is this is. I haven't been to many tournaments before, but this is the, the first one I've been to where you know everybody is very much treating it in a very sort of silly manner, and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, some very cool costumes, uh, some very silly ones, but they're the best. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great. And the boards are absolutely immaculate. Every single one has some sort of theme. We've got, we were playing on Weathertop with the, the Forger Weathertop, which has been properly decorated with all the tufts and everything like that. So absolutely delight. And uh, Michael, of course, team partner, I, I think actually the first, first round went... Al- I think we got quite lucky there, really, because that trample could have been horrendous. It did. We got very lucky. We got lucky, A, because the trample didn't quite work, but also the moment came on first and, and, and Callum's orcs just took a little bit longer to join us, so we could deal with one half and then the other half. Yeah. Yeah, and, and only losing Hammer in the early turns was quite good because you know we spent a lot of might with everyone, but we still retained all of those heroes that could then go on and chop through Moranans quite well. So it did end up as a, I think was it seven two to us. Ah, uh, yeah, it was indeed. But the silver lining for Ashley and Callum is that they managed to pick up one of the Palantir. So with mm. the seven stones at the beginning of um, all the, of round one, there is a Palantir, a little marble in every table, and if you win that um, and secure it's like a light object, it means you can get one 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 chance in in each game to take priority. So they managed to grab that in the middle of the weather top scenery. So there's a little silver lining for them. Silver lining. You'll be able to take that into your next games. Well, I, I hope you hope you enjoyed the game. It, it felt like a lovely thematic army. And, and, you know, as you say, you've got the Palantir. Are you going to hold on to it with dear life? Uh, well, I hope so. I mean, currently a, a lowly orc with a spear is carrying it at the <laughs> moment. So maybe we'll have to give it to something that's got a little bit more defence. Uh, yeah, it's going to be useful for the Mimic. Um, Actually, that is very true. Yeah, winning the priority will really, really help. Well, either way, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. A great way to start the weekend. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers, Harry. Good luck. Game two of seven stones. And uh, Michael and I have got our uh, Theoden, the Wag attack folk, uh, facing up against the town folk of Bree, which is fantastic. We've got uh, Barlam and Butterbur himself and uh, one of his underlings, uh, the (laughs) prancing pony uh, in the shape of uh, Jonathan and Matthew Davis, and um, first of all, your your army is a, is a not a legal army in quotes, but it's got it's got wonderful wonderful themes. So just give us a, a rundown of, of what you've actually got on the force. Well, my half is very simple. It's uh, Aragorn with the hobbits, the four hobbits. So and then Dunedain. Pretty, oh, and a couple, of, oh, and a couple of, yeah, three Dunedain, and then it gets more interesting with Matt's part. Of the, uh, <laughs> so uh, we have created an army list of heroes of Bree. Uh, with uh, Barleyman as the, the leader of the Bree, with uh, Harry Goatleaf. You've also got Albert Dreary, which is represented by a Lake Town hero profile, uh, the captain. 
Um, we've also got Bill Fernie and Nob and Bob, the um, the hobbits of uh, Bree, which are Falco Broffin and uh, Hamfax Gamji. Uh, and yeah, Lake Town make up the Bree folk, and then we've got a little detachment of ruffians uh, with Bill Fernie, which counts as impossible allies. And of course, you, you're missing the, the key player here. Oh, Bill the Pony is there as well, which is a Seven Stones favourite, of course. It wouldn't be a Seven Stones without... All the ponies. <laughs> and, and we were playing a, a mission that I, I've not, I don't think I've ever played before, one of the doubles missions, which uh, you deploy half of your army in the centre... Uh, each side's half the army in the centre and you kind of have to fight over five objectives laid out as a kind of... Uh, imagine the, the dots on a five, uh, the five of a dice, it's kind of like that, but in the middle. Um, so you've got central objectives and four around the centre. Uh, what did you think when you came against the, the, war, uh, the Warg attack riders and, uh, and three hunters? Did you sort of anticipate a strong victory or what were you expecting? Well, having fight two mainly uh, that covers most of our force... Um, yes, your plus one fight on the um, Royal Guard is not really... You're going to be winning anyway. So um, we just had a bunch of numbers. The only way to sort of win was to swamp, to trap, and just to, yeah, surround. So, But, yeah, you've got big hitters. We played a game before with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. So, again, meeting those up. So the strider off. Um, but our strider didn't really get a chance to do yeah, much, did he? Yeah, because of the maelstrom, the, the other half of the army had to be deployed in a maelstrom, which which you rolled poorly on, and it meant that you were quite far away for most of the game. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah, well, I think I think in fact the, the initial deployment probably worked as a downside for you guys because essentially because we started so close together, your like extra maneuverability is kind of. A moot point at that point. And the rocks around really stopping the. Yeah, we had two central blocks of terrain, which, which, in one way, yeah, it funneled everyone. But in one way, I thought that was going to be uh, to our favour because we had we had a relatively small number of models, but it meant they could still block that gap up. And you know, as you've mentioned, the higher fight value, they've got the strength, they've got the lots of dice on the charge. We've got some heroes in there, and even things like hammer and gambling are, are you know uber heroes compared to your guys. So I, I thought we had a really strong position at the start, but. I think the very first turn of combat, uh, you, I can't remember, were you charged us or whatever it was, yeah. but then you killed three Royal Guard in one go, and then the, the, dog. Yeah, the dog massacred one of, one of them. Really dog. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a real, real horrible turn for the, uh, yeah. the Royal Guard, and then the, we lost the move off after that, which meant you kind of flooded, flooded the gates had broken by then, and you, you kind of got all the traps that you needed, and it started really yeah. falling, up, falling down for yeah, us. Yeah, I think that key, that initial... Charge when that just bounced off and we managed to get a couple of like lucky kills as well. Mm. That was basically like if you'd have swept through heroic combat's first turn, then mm. we'd have had very little to kind of counter that. Yeah, but um, I think but we had, meant we had the positioning on the objective then and could kind yeah. of consolidate forward. I suppose. Absolutely, and it meant that the hobbits and someone were just wandering around for the objectives uh, from the rest of the game. Yeah, the hobbits they 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 kind of just just grabbed the objectives, which meant for. Uh, the, we were fighting over this central objective, which really wasn't really worth doing, but we were just so bogged down through the, the rest of the game that it just meant you had all the objectives and we yeah. struggled. But the, the three hunters, when they did finally get to work, they started churning through people, got some really cool heroic, move, uh, heroic combats off in the final turn, which allowed to, Gimli and Legolas to throw themselves into objectives and things like that. It, it was great, great fun. And, and your army, I mean, we must say, uh, the, every single model of, of yours is a conversion of some sort, or pretty much. Um, how, how long did it take you guys to put this army together? <laughs> well, uh, John got his army finished about two years ago when we were supposed to do seven stones, <laughs> and so it's all about me finishing my conversions. Uh, so it's been the past month I've done the, I think it was like 18 guys uh, finishing off. So lots of conversions which have been sort of working on, I guess, since that two years ago, but then really kicked into action. Uh, put my Easterlings on hold and just got these done within the month it's, it's so, very impressive yeah. i mean some of them I, i'm trying to think there's there's people like uh the lake town heroes that you've converted into just generic troops like um percy and bard and people like uh, bard's son sorry so they, there's every single thing even uh, to the, the level to which the you, what's the guy who usually has the flower pots the um oh so it's usually uh hamfast gamji but uh is bob the hobbit so there's three uh piles of donkey dung uh instead uh, so he's clearing out the stables but just having fun with that um, but yeah it was definitely a, a game of warriors really wasn't it because the Lake Town heroes well but the Bree heroes don't really do anything anyway so 
it was all based on the swarming you yeah yeah, and, and the, the fortune literally did come down to whether the Royal Guard survived against the, uh, the, the overwhelming odds of, of Breelanders. And, and for every success in, in the early turns of, of killing a Royal Guard, it really it was a big loss for us, whereas it's not, you know, losing a couple of uh, Breelanders was, was nothing to you guys. The brief folk taking out Legolas's horse uh, and then <laughs> trapping Aragorn. Yeah, yeah there, there, were, there were some sticky situations that the three hunters found themselves in. They survived the game, but my God, do they have to spend a lot of points uh, in combats that they really weren't expecting to have to spend anything but either way uh, guys it was a cracking cracking game I think what was it 6-2 or was it 6-4 six, 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 in the end so we did get a couple of objectives we both broke each other um, and so it, but it was it was a deci decisive win for these swarms and swarms of Breland and I should say I don't think I mentioned it I, I said at the start that you were Barlam Busseber and his underling I didn't mention the, the outfits you're wearing so you've both got the lovely grey waistcoats waistcoats you've got the aprons and you've got a lovely handlebar or whatever it's a moustache that's uh, delightful so uh, um, getting tea, lots, yeah. of, lots of tea in it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's great to see you getting so wholeheartedly into the theme of Seven Stones, and it's been a cracking game. I hope you enjoyed it too. And the beer dice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the beer. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, the high, one of the highlights. Uh, you've got this tankard of uh, dice, and the, the, beer, the, the dice are sort of amber on the bottom and white uh, foam for the sixes, which just looks absolutely brilliant. So, uh, well done on the game, and, and fantastic for committing uh, so well to, to Seven Stones. It's brilliant. Yeah, thanks, guys. Game three of Seven Stones, and we were playing Fog of War, one of my favourites, it must be said, I think generally quite a popular one in the uh, community. So we're trying to capture terrain, protect our heroes, and assassinate a target. And we're playing up against Callum and Katrina Farbrother. Uh, and first of all, Callum, just, just run us through your army. Give us a, a sense of the, the theme you've gone for at this super theme tournament. Okay, so keeping it really simple, uh, we've got the three hunters, um, and we've got uh, two warbands of Galadrim. Defense of Helm's Deep. Three hunters have got some of the kit, but no horses, no Andoril. Um, and then the Galadrim, it's Haldir and Rumil. Um, and then each warband just has 11 Galadrim warriors. Uh, some with bows, some with spears and some with shields. Excellent. And, and it's a lovely, lovely thematic thing. So, so we set up, we've got, you know... Uh, a, a bit of a beautiful, I mean, an outstanding board here. It's like a Rivendell board. There's lots of pagodas and bridges with, with sort of uh, nice uh, elven-style architecture on them. And we're trying to capture terrain and all that sort of stuff. And um, with that in mind, what did you have a plan at the start? Obviously, we, we keep our things secret. But did, what were you kind of trying to achieve, I suppose? Um, well, to start with, there's quite a lot of trees on this board. So mm. being against an all-cavalry army, we thought, actually, this is quite good for us if we can try and force the combats uh, to where they can't get many cavalry models in. We thought that's, you know, really good. Uh, and try and kind of bait them forwards um, and then kind of put our whole army then together and hopefully get some hero kills, hero kills within there. Didn't quite go as planned. Uh, but but the plan was there, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, you, you did. You definitely had a plan, and so so quite early on, um, we we decided right, we we're going to kind of ignore our terrain and just send all of our force to the right hand side flank where um, you had Rumil and a warband of dudes and uh, the, the terrain sort of quite close by but not you weren't sort of covering it or in front of it or anything so, so we aimed, sent our whole army that way thinking if we capture the terrain you'll know what, that your terrain is there and it might draw most of your army away from it um, and, and also it denied the three hunters the, the opportunity of getting in combat early on so, so we went straight for it do you think that was the right move in the long run? Oh definitely definitely we had Aragorn with the other kind of half hour army with the intent to heroic march across and get in there um, but as with Rohan, when they get off that charge, it can really kind of decimate your army and put you in disarray. And Aragorn was just then a turn behind where he needed to be. Um, Gimli's short little legs yeah. um, did get him, get him into combat quite quickly, but he just didn't kill enough. And then had a very unlucky combat against an angry Aragorn. Yeah, yeah, there was there was quite a few uh, misfortunes that your your three hunters. I mean, they they, they were very unlucky and. Just, so a Rohan rider uh, early on, I, I wasn't. Even, I, didn't, I think at one point I was like, oh, I'm not going to bother shooting it or whatever. And then I saw, oh, actually, there's a pretty clear line of sight to Legolas there. Takes a pot shot, goes through a building, and hits Legolas, gets the five to wound him, and you roll a one on your first fate. And, and I, I sort of jokingly say, three points am I on the fate? Ha, ha, ha. And then what happens after that? Uh, and then I think, no, no, second, second fate point. We can do this. Roll a one again. And then, then it's keep... starting now, it's thinking, okay, maybe I should spend the three, mate. But no, I, I mean, I know Legolas might be the target. It was a pot shot. I, I, can, I can maybe take, take a wound. It's not a big deal. Um, but I think, I know, I'll use my last fate. It, it might be victory points. Roll my last fate, roll a one, and think, okay, this, I can't take that wound. It's victory points. have to use all three might points. You know, first shot of the game, pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
So Legolas used all his might, all his fate, still got both his wounds there, but not in a good place to start the game with, really. Yeah, and this is this is before our Legolas had even a chance to shoot. So I think uh, that turn Legolas shot um, shot at uh, the other Legolas. This is getting confusing now. Um, and uh, and uh, spent two points of might to get the wound. And then I think the following turn ended up killing Legolas and taking him off the board. Uh, and you didn't know, of course, that that was our target. So we were quite feeling quite confident, I think, at that point. Did you did you know the? I mean, obviously you know the importance of Legolas in terms of how you're going to attack. But did you suspect that we might have chosen him as a target? Um, I didn't, but it's quite difficult, um, and it's why it's one of my favourite scenarios as well. You know, to think, okay, what heroes is my opponent going to pick to defend? And usually, you know, your archer, someone like Legolas, right at the back of the board, they'd pick them to defend. So you don't necessarily want to pick those as the one you're trying to kill, because then you have to fight through the entire army to get there. You don't want to pick their biggest, baddest hero, even though you know they're going to be in combat, because they're going to be much harder to kill. So it's very much that mind game. So, okay, they might pick Legolas knowing it's an uphill battle. We didn't pick Legolas to, as our hero to defend. Um, so, you know, we weren't too worried because we're not losing kind of double the points then. Yeah. Um, but when he did get those uh, three fate down and then a wound from Legolas the next turn, we kind of thought, oh, well, this, is, this could be it now. This, our Legolas might be, might be dying. And I did throw him into combat that turn because I thought, well, either he dies or we might actually get to help Gimli out with a heroic combat. And the heroic combat did go off even without Legolas. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, that heroic combat, Gimli killed his thing, <laughs> ran into the opposing Aragorn, and then Gimli then died. So it was a sad, sad turn for the three hunters. It was quite a rough one, actually, that one, because uh, Aragorn had charged um, Rumil and he'd struck uh, with his Rumil and then uh, Rumil had heroic defensed so Gimli is pretty safe bet jumping into that combat because Rumil can take away Aragorn 6 from the top because he's got that special annoying uh, parry special rule um, so Gimli and, and Rumil have a good chance of killing Aragorn there and, and taking out some real power in our army but instead um, Gimli kind of runs headlong into Aragorn's blade and, and we were thinking well we charged we got the, the knockdowns we've got Anduril Gimli's walking into a death trap here because we're going to wound him on four. So yeah, he was he took out in one go, which which was another big hero to go down uh, quite early on. And from then on, it was and we had a lot of bigger heroes there that were just slowly turning through the elves. They didn't win, you know, they didn't kill excessively. Yeah, it, it was attrition. Exactly, a good good way of putting it. But of course, then there was all the objectives that you you were leaning into to uh, one side. We're sending one warrior to the terrain that we'd basically ignored, and then you sent another one as a feint. So we had to keep countering and back as a back and forwards. But I think in the end, it did come down to those those early kills because. Without Legolas on your side, you weren't able to get to Hammer, which we were trying to protect, and you revealed at the end we were yeah, trying to kill. a bit unlucky for us to have picked that. I think looking back, uh, Hammer wasn't the ideal choice for us. But, you know, with these things, you just go with your gut. You think, I'm going to try and kill that one. And unfortunately, we were never able to push our way through. Um, but we thought the whole that we thought whole whole idea of our army is Hammer is the is the man we're trying to protect and save at every every opportunity and and we did send him forward quite early on and then sort of he fell to the back after a while because yeah we didn't want to protect him but either way it was it was a great game I mean I I just I can't get over how unlucky that that uh, that run of fa uh, triple ones on the fate was but and I think if it wasn't for that uh, it would have been a much much scarier and uh, close game for us because I, I don't I had no idea what you were targeting and uh, it could have you could have spent every turn shooting arrows at any of the heroes and it would have scared us and it would have been made kids more cautious with them so uh, it's a big deal that but either way a kind of a cracking game I think it was 10-6 in the end was it for 10 us? 10-6 yes. so yeah. uh, well done and a lovely theme lovely army and uh, what a great board that we were playing and on as well absolutely amazing boards bit too many trees for my liking I keep knocking over but <laughs> yeah. it's nice to have nice thick with terrain boards it changes the way you play compared to an open board and a bit more tactical about where you're going to go what models you're going to send where what areas can you block off so I love the the busy boards absolutely me too so 10-6 there so Michael I'll just bring you in for the, la the last moment because it's the last game of the day um, so we've got two wins so far um, and uh, you know I've, I'm feeling like we did, we've done alright haven't we I think we've done very well actually and, and the game we did lose it was quite close even though with a load of um, Bree folk to try and wade our way through, but <laughs> yeah. we made a good fist of it. So no, it's been it's been a great day, and and, and as Callum was saying, the boards are great, and it's just been and, and it's it's the vibe in which the games play with everyone coming to the table. There is something different about the fact that you know everyone's bringing a suboptimal army in some way. So I think the automatic because if you're if you're fine tuning your army to the nth degree to try and make it the best you possibly can, you're you're 
I guess you're, when you're rolling those dice, it becomes even more frustrating if you have, have you know, poor rolls or whatever, because you might be wanting to win or whatever. But this, it completely dials down that level of saltiness or potential kind of anguish over a bad dice roll, and it, it just makes for a much more relaxed attitude. It does, and when you say, when Cam was rolling those ones, it wasn't cries of despair, but it was, it was a different sort of... Um, oh no! Yeah. But but you could see the you know you could see the moment as it were. Yeah. So it was the, it was the tragedy on the thing. Yeah, and, you the know, tragedy. That, yeah. That's a good way of but doing rather it. Rather than the kind of anguish or something like that. It, it's but just very Shakespearean. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But so that that means I don't quite know what this means because we'll find out later on um, in the uh, pub quiz. But we'll we'll now be in in one of the groups. It's like a World Cup vibe, isn't it? So we've played in. Uh, our, our, the group stages. Yeah, the group stages, and then we'll go off into the group stage, the something else stages the to pools. I think it's to win pool. either the plate or yeah, the yeah. spoon yeah. or the the mug or the or the what's the top one? The cup, so uh, which Damien uh, on the side. Hopefully, we'll talk to him later uh, in the podcast. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed, he says. And so we'll be in the running for one of those, and with two wins, I guess we could be in the. Upper echelons. We could play. Yeah. But but I think yeah. it depends how everyone else's games have, have gone, of course. But it's been very exciting. This year, the plate is a lamp, we're being told by Damien. So, uh, it, either way, it's been a delightful day, number one. We now have an arena of champions, which is where our hammer gets to stand up well, and say, fight. And for me, this third game is the first game that we've kept hammer alive to the very end. Mm, so, we've actually, we've, it's a triple win in yeah. so many different ways. Well, there we go. Well, we'll, we'll rejoin the, uh, the tournament uh, overnight, um, and I'll, I'll sort of explain a little bit of the detail about what happens and where we're, where we're playing. But either way, it's exciting prospects from here on in for the Wag Attack. So after day one, we found ourselves in the strange position of playing it out for the top prize. I can't believe it. Um, we won two out of our three games, so not bad. Um, but uh, just very, very close in our group. I think uh, three of the teams won two games. One of them won zero, I think. Uh, apologies if I got that wrong. Um, but either way, we just pipped it to the post um, to get into the top group. So as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, this is like a World Cup type, type thing. You're in a group stage now. Whoever does the best in the group stage goes off to play for uh, in a kind of knockout tournament on day two. Um, in for it. For the in the in for a chance, pfft, God, I just can't speak today. In for a chance to win a Palantir, a black glass orb trophy engraved with whatever you win. Uh, so very excited about that. Uh, could I put another Palantir on the shelf after winning uh, best sporting with Michael a couple of years back? We'll have to find out after games four, five, and six at Seven Stones. Game four of Seven Stones, and uh, very exciting, because um, we've got our walk attack army, of course, Michael and I. Michael's just handing in results now. Um, and we were drawn up against Sharku and the Warg Herders of Ered Waith. I think that is. Ened Waith. Ened Waith. It's between Isengard and Dunland. Exactly. So this is very exciting. So we actually have the, Shar the Sharku Warg attack against against our guys which is very uh, very exciting so Richard Tom uh, playing with the, these guys and somehow we managed to make it into the top group um, which doesn't really it's a knockout tournament from here on in so we managed to make it a top group which uh, Michael and I were both shocked by um, so guys how did you feel about that did you did you expect to be in the top group fighting for the the, the big Malanta Oh, not at all. I, I really thought the Wargs would struggle because they're infantry and they're 40 mil bases that I just thought they would really suffer. And uh, it's only because of, the, I think, the chieftains holding up that half of the army that really gave us any killing power there. Maneuverability really helps us. Uh, and uh, I think, I guess, the boards being four foot by three foot mean that we really do move around a lot more than we expect to. Um, there's not really any corner of the board that we can't get to. Uh, it's just about those bottlenecks. So, uh, I, but I was really surprised. I didn't think we'd do half as well. Yeah, well, you've got because you've got three chieftains, about a million wargs, and then Sharku, a ca captain, and a warg, load of warg riders generally. But it's quite it's quite a lot of models in this army. So it's it's and it as you say, it's got a lot of board control because they they're big bases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does guarantee hamstring strain. Uh, that's for sure. We've, play, we've played most of our games on the opposite side of the board. Fortunately, this one was was uh, was through the middle. Um, but um, but yeah, no, it's been fantastic. We've played it um, with the theme that we we are the wild herders. So our, our herd has been attacked mercilessly by these uh, these Rohirrim here today. Um, so the shepherds then have to come on and and save them. But that has actually put us in some precarious situations in other other scenarios where our infantry has been able to be charged, such as this one by uh, by you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So so this is the scenario where. Uh, um, I can't remember what it's called, um, no but escape. no escape. Where you—it's a double scenario where your army's divided up and you're kind of facing off in the centre with half of it, and uh, you're kind of tra trapped between the other opposing half of your army. So we have all our 
uh, hammer and gambling and Theoden in the middle and the three hunters had to sort of march in to, to descend on the, the wargs. And you had your uh, wargs and the chieftains in the middle, which we thought this could actually work quite well for us because we've got cavalry, we're going against your wargs, we've got a lot of fight bonuses. I, I, I thought we had it, but then it all kind of fell apart in the very, the very first turn, really. Well, yeah, I think the defining moment was um, when the chieftain did a heroic combat and swung around into Faedon, and then he killed Faedon, which uh, essentially brought out um, like lost all of your army bonuses for the fight value so uh, while she did have cavalry charges on first turn you weren't then winning on ties uh, so it, it really then it, it did like it almost swang straight away it's not even like a you know turn two swing it was a mid turn one swing yeah it was pretty brutal because we called her at combat with Thad and, and I didn't really see the chieftain the potential of the her at combat with the chieftain and then you called that afterwards it was like and then so it was a roller for that and then the, the the fight just came down to the the chieftain having more more dice really I suppose he's, he's got more of a chance of winning the winning the combat so it was pretty brutal and then from there on in because Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli were still quite a way off it meant you just could chow down on some Ro Rohan guys and take your time really Absolutely, um, but what, what we are forgetting here is the uh, the real star of the show, which was Hammer. Of course, um, <laughs> of course, we haven't talked about him yeah, yet. So, yeah. So uh, so uh, so we began uh, with one of our wargs uh, atop a, a cliff, uh, which um, before um, before the first turn we allowed we were allowed, fortunately by our opponents, to uh, to roll a six and I jumped down straight into Hammer. So we began a combat there, which Hammer heroically won against two wargs, slaying both of them. Um, and then he went headlong into Sharku, held him up for two turns, and it wasn't until the final turn where a wild chieftain uh, came in to support and win the fight against Sharku that Sharku eventually, for the first time this tournament, one of our objectives uh, was to uh, to kill Hammer. But yeah, Hammer fought all the way to the end, so that was a, bill, uh, a big win, I think. Yeah, and it was it was a beautifully cinematic moment as well. I mean, we just the, the, the matchup was fantastic. We loved the fact that we were we're teaming up in this way against uh, against the, the proper armies. But and uh, being able to be flexible and do things like have a wag deploying on top of a, a, a ruin and jumping down, all, all these sorts of things, I guess guess make Seven Stones that little bit different, even though we're technically fighting in the, the the top group to therefore win the tournament i don't there's no kind of part of us that sort of went no nah, no you can't do that you can't do this kind of it's just it feels so like everyone gets involved in these sort of things yeah well, I, I do really love the theminess that we get at this tournament um i feel like the seven stone started what eight years ago pre the new edition and they set the bar of everything needs to be themey. Uh, you know, you need to put all the stops out to making this feel like an experience from the movies. And then, then you know, we got the new rules, and then we got Legendary Legion. So the base level of the game just became so much more themey. And yet somehow Seven Stone still manages to be even more themey than that level that that we've now got. It is such a it's such a great. Uh, time when you come and you see all these armies out here and, and, and they're not built for competitiveness they're just moments from the films or moments from the books and you, you just look in awe at the models Absolutely, and, and no legendary legion bonuses either no exactly and uh, I mean everyone here is just here to really enjoy themselves and enjoy the universe of uh, you know Tolkien and Middle Earth and it's the most pleasant tournament to play at because you know more than 50% of people here are dressed up um, you know we're sitting here with wild pelts around our head <laughs> very sweaty um, but yeah it's just a really enjoyable place so if there are people out there thinking I just want to get involved and try my first tournament get a friend and this is probably the best place to come along meet other like-minded um, even if people are competitive they tend as you said you know you can play you allow things to happen you can kind of put the cinematic vision beyond the the limited rules and, and it just makes for the most enjoyable uh, war gaming experience I think. Absolutely uh, and you end up winning the game 8-2 was it or was it 6-2 I can't remember. 8-2 so so you're on to the cup the knockout which means Michael and I are dropping out uh, back down where we belong Michael so after that first game uh, how do you feel it actually went I mean we've, we've talked in detail about uh, some of the things but it kind of all fell apart before you even got involved sadly because you were leading the three hunters into the fight and they were the only ones remaining. It did yes the scenario wasn't kind in one way to us but uh, it was still it was lovely and thematic to have the, 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 the evil wild attack against the good wild attack we managed to engineer the, the harmer situation um, Theoden unfortunately unlike in the film and the book succumbed and that's what then sort of undid it for us as it were bit by bit but it was still a great game it was absolutely fantastic on to game number five Game number five here at Seven Stones. You can hear the music gloriously echoing behind me. Uh, we're getting well into the uh, the second half of the day, uh, of the second day as well, and uh, playing on a glorious barrow-themed hole uh, uh, board with lots of little glorious barrows. And suitably, it's uh, it's the people who are very close to the barrows. It's the Hobbits and the Dunedain, uh, performed by Andy and Phil here. So. Uh, 
first of all, just to summarise in a little bit more detail exactly the theme of your list, guys. Cool. So we've gone for a pre-War of the Ring Shire army, which is led by Bilbo, um, with all Hobbit heroes that would have predated Frodo's journey. Uh, and that means that the rangers are led by Aragorn and Halbrad. But at this point, Aragorn hasn't reforged Anduril and Arwen has not sewn a banner for Halbarad. Right, so yes, you've got... And, and there's lots of fantastic things like your traps. You've got Baldo Tulpenny, who, who over the course of yesterday, managed to do some incredible feats and gain some special rules, which were quite inspiring. Yeah, Baldo managed to come second in the second round of the Arena of Champions. He, he was really helped along by the fact that he was popular. And he brings his traps, which meant that everyone kind of loved him. And there was a lot of guilt tripping on everyone not to charge Baldo, um, which did work out in the end. So it meant that he's picked up uh, a Palantir that lets him cast Curse on a four up every turn on a free will. Uh, and he also is wielding Orcris today. Yeah, I'm not sure how, how he, it, whether it's as tall as him or not, but either way, uh, it's it's an exciting prospect. And and as the game sort of developed, um, it, it was quite quite quick that the, the cavalry we deployed on the central line in Lords of Battle charged forward quite quickly. And and from there on, it was it was a kind of a shooting match at first, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, like our shooting was pretty much our plan to begin with, and it certainly helped. Like, I mean, I think the first casualty was Theoden's horse. And then not long after, Theoden himself. But after that, yeah, as soon as combat started, didn't really go our way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's fair to say that, that hobbits aren't the people to hold up a cavalry charge uh, of, you know, heavy heavy cavalry and all that. I mean, we'd lost some of our bonuses, but um, luckily hobbits are very low fight value anyway. So the riders and the, the royal guard, but particularly Gamling, uh, Legolas and Aragorn were absolutely mullering through your, your right-hand side flank. Yeah, uh, giving a point of might back for uh, killing a hero meant that as soon as Farmer Maggot went down and started refueling gambling, that it was just a, a continuous wave of just strolling through hobbits. Yeah, and, and you never quite, I don't think you got any of the roll offs. No. That was down to That was your fault, though. You kept rolling. That was entirely my fault because I rolled everyone and rolled a one to three every time. Yeah, we decided to be evil because uh, the hobbits are too friendly and we're invading them with our massive cavalry contingent, which seems slightly unfair. But um, it, it must be said, you're, you're dressed up as well, which is an integral part of Seven Stones. So many people dress up, don't they? Yeah, I mean, there's so many great looking costumes as well. So this is our th first Seven Stones. And as soon as we started making a list, we were like, well, what costume are we going to wear? We did come up with one, one list and decided it's probably not the right costumes. Um, and then decided on this because it was just, we knew it was going to be a fun army to play, plus the costumes were going to be, look great by the time we made them. So Yeah, and, and they're not sort of prohibitive costumes because you're dressed as a hobbit and you're dressed as a ranger, so it, it all, all works quite nicely. And, and it must be said, your, your army itself is absolutely glorious. I mean, I know you, uh, uh, you're, uh, you're a painting commission service to, between you as well, so, so it's unsurprising, therefore, that you've got beautiful signs on all of your sheriffs and uh, all the little flowers and vegetable patches and all these sorts of things. I mean, did, how long did it take you guys to work, uh, uh, build and paint this lot? I started this on the 1st of April um, and I painted the 51 Hobbit models in 26 days. Wow. Yeah, it was a real rush. They're not done to my normal standards, but I'm actually really happy with how they've come out. I think the basing really makes them pop a lot more than they necessarily would if they were just on some dirt. Um, but it was really fun. Making vegetable patches and things was incredibly cathartic and Everyone was saying, Phil, yeah, Hobbits was an army that you were just born to paint. Because it is absolutely glorious. You know, you've got little pumpkins and, and all those sorts of things. And am I right in thinking your objectives, I don't know where they are, but your objectives all have a little uh, palantir hiding e in each one. So we have to have a certain number of objectives for the domination game, which is coming up next, I believe. Um, and every single one. So you've got a scarecrow that's holding a, a, a palantir, a, a cauliflower patch, and there's so many different things. Uh, did, did you work together on this, or was it, was it all one? Or the, one or the other um, so we did our own armies <laughs> so, right. okay. yeah. so we were doing the rangers which which are equally fantastic and quite quite sort of dark and foreboding bases as well which is nice yeah, thanks for that um, to be fair in the time that Phil painted 51 hobbits I painted four rangers <laughs> so <laughs> like, yeah I had some of this already done so um, yeah it was just a, I definitely put more effort into some other things than my rangers in the, the time that Phil has spent painting his hobbits well, either way, it's an absolutely glorious army. You can tell you've gone into the theme of it. And, you know, it doesn't feel like a great victory when you trample over dozens and dozens of hobbits. But that is what happened. I think it was 8-2 in the end, wasn't it? So, uh, well done, chaps. A cracking game.
thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank cheers, you. cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers guys. Thank you very much for that. So, so uh, with that in mind, that, uh, we're coming to our uh, final match then. And so I must rejoin Michael uh, briefly, uh, doubles partner. And I think, you know, I mean, I kind of summarised it all there. We, we, I don't think we required an awful lot of thinking there. But, you know, once we charged the hobbits, it was kind of game over for them, wasn't it? I think there was some thinking. We realised we had to keep out of their Aragorn. So we, we did swing left. But because there's so many hobbits there, it gives us the option to, to, to pick a flank, as it were, and try and, with laws of battle, try and make hay mm. where we could. And, and that's what did us, uh, that, that stood us in good stead in the end. Yeah, it absolutely did. You're right, yeah, the, it, ignoring Aragorn and le- sort of boxing him in a couple of times and feeding him a royal guard to hold him off and stop his heroic combats getting too much momentum really was was very helpful. But but also Hammer successfully did what I had, uh, had hoped he would do, and he, he won a roll off for a heroic move off and charged Aragorn and Adunadain. Heroic defence and uh, held them up, stopped them heroic combating into uh, our guys, and and I suppose it, which could have swung the balance of the the kill tally from uh, more than doubling to just just beating theirs. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, no hammers. That's the second game now. I think he survived mm. the distance. So Ooh. this is really we're, we're, this is the objective <laughs> we're really chasing. <laughs> indeed, it is. So that's two out of five. Let's see if we can get him halfway there. Yeah. Well, we'll rejoin in the final game of Seven Stones, game number six, on the way. Game six, it's over. Seven Stones is done, and we've had a, a quite a thematic matchup, really, for the final round against Alex and Dan Entwistle, who, of course, is a writer for the Games Workshop, so he's not allowed to talk to us. But Alex is right here, and just give us a, a, a sense of what your army is, of course, in this final, final battle. Uh, well, our theme is Burning the Westfold. Um, it's a two-part split of Isengard, so we've got Dunland on the one side uh, and the White Hand on the other side. Um, in this scenario, we're... I guess we're holding a ford? Yeah, it's like the Ford of Eisen. Exactly. Um, and obviously we've got uh, the three hunters and, uh, and Rohan attacking us down the, uh, down the river, trying to hold the, uh, the embankments as well. Um, it's been a, a bit of a... Know, a bit of a whitewash maybe yeah, yeah a little bit um, you've got an, an awful lot of models you know, was it 48 or somewhere around there uh, 54 actually. 54 so 54 Dunlandings and, and Urukai and uh, you've got some Crobane and, and it's, it's a very a very nicely uh, you've got a lovely themed uh, display board with the, the fire and the burning Rohan buildings and all these sorts of things um, but of course you've got a massive amount of models in a, in a variant of domination which has seven objectives so I guess it was it was your yours to win uh, yours to lose here yeah potentially I, I think in a game with um, scenario, well, sorry, a scenario with objectives like this, um, numbers do generally count for something. And obviously, there's so many bottlenecks with the river, mm. um, and we have flying. Um, you know, it's an easy, it's an easy grab at the end of the game uh, with a 12-inch move on the Crabane, uh, so we can basically fly to objectives and kind of, kind of grab those objectives wherever we need to. And, and holding the one side here as well with so many models, it's hard for you to even break through. Yeah, I think, I think the only real chance we had was to crack through and somehow really, really kill loads of stuff in the centre. But of course, because you've got enough of the fight for people and the, you know, and the counter of the cavalry charge lady, all these sorts of things, that there's enough, you neuter enough of our power to make it pretty much impossible to us break to break you and make make everyone run away too soon. Yeah. Um I, I think just not enough time and not enough, yeah. not enough turns for you to even push through. Um I mean you do have the killing power. Yeah. Um, but your killing power relies on the time basically and obviously you know for the most part we've got a lot more dice than you do. Um and odds on dice rolling. You know, if we have more dice, mathematically we generally roll higher. So absolutely. So so it, it turned turned out to be a, a devastating, devastating loss. More, more VPs lost than is even possible in a normal game. Thirteen uh, nil, um, which is outrageous because of the extra um, objectives. Because it's the seven stones we're capturing at the end. Uh, outrageous or fantastic, <laughs> we just can't decide. Um, but either way, it's been uh, it's been an absolute delight to play against something really thematic, like like uh, uh, the Westfold army with with these things. And and, and the last game of the day. And yeah, the last, the last game, of the, game of the day. Last last game of the weekend. I mean, how's your weekend been? You know, with with the theme and everything. Uh, uh, that, that you've enjoyed we uh, we didn't actually expect to come this far oh. fundamentally um, first game we I mean we, we didn't really bottle it but but we, we had a narrow loss um, next two games we won we kind of submarined into the top bracket lost the first game on, on day two uh, unfortunately but then obviously we won the next two games as well so we're 4-2 four, four win loss which is not too bad um, but you know, me, me and Dan didn't really come into this expecting to win the tournament, but we actually came quite far. So, you know, we're in the top six yeah. now, I think. And it's just a grand event, isn't it? It's a great event with with such such joy uh, uh, surrounding us. Yeah, I, I think I prefer these tournaments to be honest, like ones that are more fluffy and thematic. You know, you're not playing to game other players; you're playing for a laugh, which 
at the heart of it is how the game should be played fundamentally anyway. So. Absolutely. Well, well done on the uh, the tremendous victory there, Alex. And, and uh, as you say, it's just been a cracking weekend. I've, I've enjoyed myself. And, and Dan, I hope, enjoyed himself. I think he's nodding his head. So and hopefully he's had a good weekend as well. Uh, and uh, I'm sure everyone here has had a cra- cracking time. So thanks very much for talking to me as well. Cheers, Harry. Thank you. So what a terrific tournament that was. I mean, yeah, we didn't win in the end. That's fine. I didn't really mind. I didn't really expect to even come with a shot of winning. Um, and the, I believe the, uh, uh, the, the elusive four wins is still, still being chased by me. But still, uh, Michael and I had a, a great time. I want to thank Michael in particular um, for being a doubles partner for the tournament again. Uh, it was just, it was great laugh. We had lots of banter between us and lots of giggles, uh, which was great fun. And he obviously painted um, a substantial part of the force. He painted the three hunters, um, his half of the force, although we did swap um, control of those throughout the tournament. And it's just great having someone like Michael sat beside you, being a calm voice of reason at times. And uh, yeah, it was just, yeah, I had a, a lovely time. And all of the players that we played against were were great fun. I really did enjoy it. I mean, a uh, big shout out, of course, um, to some of the, the armies that had beautiful display boards, beautiful themes, um, which was all of them. Um, it, it was all of them, uh, genuinely. I mean, usually you kind of have to single out one of your opponents and say, look, they were absolutely fantastic. The painting was amazing. The uh, sort of com- conversions were amazing. The boards were amazing or whatever it was. This time, basically everyone who went to the tournament had put in so much effort with painting and conversions and bringing models that you don't usually see and things like that. So it just meant it was fantastic. We didn't play against any magic. Um, did we at all? No, maybe not Not even at all, which is always nice because it just means that you have some, some nice th- fun games. It, I, I just had a great time. But um, in this tournament, of course, there can only be one winner or two winners, technically. And that is all about theme, which we'll head over to and chat with in a few minutes time. But first, it's only right that we have a chat with the tournament organisers, Damien and Tom, briefly before everything gets packed up. So while everyone packs away here at the end of Seven Stones, I've got the tournament organisers themselves. It's Tom and Damien. And, and Damien, I'll start with you. It's been three years since the last Seven Stones. How do you feel uh, having having this wonderful event return? Oh, it's wonderful. It's been absolutely brilliant. We, we, we love it. We love running it. It was mortifying not doing it for two years. We were miserable. Um, and it's just been wonderful to be able to bring it back at its full potential with people dressed up and hugging and having a great time together. It's been really, really brilliant to have it back, I think, it's fair to say. Yeah, and, and I think people, it seemed like there's been pent-up demand, Tom. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it, was, it was great to have the full 64 people here, 32 teams, and everyone really in the swing of things. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better weekend with everyone. So much laughing. Um, until late into the night on all nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. And and you, you were sort of alluding quite a lot over the course of the uh, the two days, the difficulty in terms of choosing the, the people who win the, the, the sort of get into the spirit of everything and have, have the costumes and the, the, the sort of right manner of which that you uh, want. I, I mean, how tricky was that this year? Yeah, um, once you take out the bribes, uh, then it is quite tricky. Um, <laughs> but after that, um, no, no. Um, yeah, I think the, the real challenge is everything's escalated since the first time we ran the event. The first time we ran it, people did some nice things and they would win. And now 10 or more people do ni- really great things. And then it's even hard just to get a short list of seven that we usually try to put together on the first day to then pick a winner from. And yeah, it's incredibly hard. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about every little aspect of what they've done over the weekend and try and pick pick the winner from that but it's never easy no I, I can imagine I mean the, the standard of hobbying and the standard of uh, of costumes of just ideas little themes and so on it's just been it's been through the roof this time and and, and Damien I guess, I guess that for you that that must make it incredibly difficult the, the standard of everything yeah yeah it was re- it was really genuinely hard we had we had James with us and you you just agonize and agonize and agonize over I think we were down to about 10 or 11 that we really couldn't decide of which is seven and you just feel utterly brutal to the people who don't make it but you just try and somehow find a way of like, finding the things that they've truly embraced the event to the to the best in the in the best ways be it fancy dress or crippling themselves competitively or whatever or just <laughs> really getting into the spirit of it and eventually sometimes we I don't know maybe we don't make the right calls all the times but uh, I don't think anyone ever seems to mind no I, I think it, it was it seemed like the right call to me and so uh, I'll let you say all your goodbyes but thanks very much for talking to me thank you very much Harry. we'll see you next year ah! yeah hey <laughs> There you go, Damien and Tom, SBG magazine editors and the TOs of the wonderful Seven Stones tournament. Um, And 
that was it. That was the, the, the end of the tournament. You can hear all the stuff packing away. But just before I went, uh, I managed to grab a bit of a chat with the winners. Let's find out who they are. They've got the best theme. They've got the best models. They've got the best painting conversions. And they conducted themselves with fantastic style uh, and friendliness and, and jolliness throughout the whole weekend. Also came in some fantastic fancy dress. Let's head over to the winners. So uh, having spoken to Damien and Tom, it feels only right to now uh, finish off the podcast with the winners of the tournament. And of course, people who beat us in the uh, tournament, we had the pleasure of playing against the Davies brothers um, who have brought the Brie army. We spoke about it earlier on in the podcast. You've got your waistcoats on, you've got dice uh, that have got beer beer shapes on them. You've got an amazing moustache. It's an absolutely fantastic thing. I mean, how do you feel about having uh, come home with these amazing Palantir trophies that are orbs of delight? Oh, it's really great to see all like like with the effort we put in and John's put into the board and stuff that it's it's all been yeah it's all been so fun and worth it. So it's just really nice to yeah it's it's great to see and uh, yeah really great. I'm really happy. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. I mean, the, the hours and uh, we, we spoke about this earlier on in the podcast, so I won't belabor it. But the hours and the ideas, uh, uh, crucially, you have, had seemed to have an idea to go into the theme for every single aspect of the game, whether it's giving people coins and the th- coins had a reason because they were the price of Bill the Pony and things like that. Yeah, I think it, I think the best thing about this event is like the fact that it's not ultra competitive and people are just getting to the spirit of it. And I think. Yeah, if, it's, if you can't have fun in this event, then I don't think there's any event you can have fun, really, because it's, um, it's just kind of, yeah, a bit of kind of role-playing in terms of, like, Matt was trying to do the voice of Parliament for bits of things. But you say trying there. I mean, I don't know. How, how, how did that work? Was that good? Oh, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> I think it was all right. It was all right. Well, uh, guys, I know you've got to pack up your beautiful display board and you've got to he- head home, but I just want to say congratulations. It was a very much a well-deserving win. I mean, I, I don't like to play favourites, but uh, uh, your, your board is outstanding. The, the outfits, the attention to detail, the, uh, the, you know, the, just your, your, the manner in which you played the game was absolutely fantastic. And I, we loved our game despite you hammering us. It was fantastic. So well done on the, the Palantir. Congratulations. Thank you, Harry. It's been a really great tournament and just thanks to Damien and Tom as well for running it and everyone who helps. Absolutely. I'm congratulations. Yeah, it's been brilliant. I think all the games have been really fun and yeah, just a brilliant event. So yeah, really encourage people to try and sign up to it in the future. Absolutely. It'll be oversubscribed next year. Uh, there you go. Thanks very much, guys. So there you go. Another seven stones. It must be said, it's a little sad, actually, saying farewell to a seven stones because the tournament is such a delight. It really is truly a, a wonderful tournament. If you can ever get a chance uh, to head on over there, uh, do keep an eye out for them because uh, it's really, really fantastic. I really enjoy seven stones. Uh, so many people um, and so much enthusiasm for the hobby it just really is heartwarming um i managed to get in a game against battle camper himself uh, alex temple as well over the tournament and had a good laugh with him as well at various points check out his video that'll be a good idea i'm sure it'll be out at some point in the next uh, week or two if you're listening to this pretty soon after it's released if not head over to youtube for battle camper uh, he'll have some great footage and uh, jokes and all that sort of stuff and that's it and um, a couple more plugs to mention and um, one actually uh, kind of ties in with battle camper actually because uh, the last month or so I've been doing a YouTube challenge a community challenge um, where Dewey from Guardians of Wiltshire uh, set a challenge to loads of different YouTubers and hobbyists and blog writers and all that sort of stuff to do um, a little battle company and I have done one and it went interestingly let's say that um, do head over to Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube to find out a little bit more about how I fared um, on the old the old Battle Company challenge it's a bit of fun a lot of hobbying and there's a whole playlist of uh, videos there on my channel and on others uh, to have a look at uh, if you're interested in more hobby content and finally tournaments is my name tournaments is my game Entmoots it's all about gatherings so it's only right that I announce that Lord of the Imps has returned for another year. Yes, that's right. In October, the very first weekend of October, so it's Friday the 30th or 31st, I think, the 30th of September is um, is where everyone will start to descend on Bishop Gross Test University in Lincoln for Lord of the Imps on the 1st and the 2nd of October. Uh, tickets are released on the 6th of May, so uh, do check them out. That's uh, tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast today. Basically, the best way of finding it is the Great British Hobbit League on Facebook. Uh, do go on that and then find the events tab uh, and you should be able to see it or uh, if you're really struggling do uh, just email me at gmail.com and I'll 
sort of send the event pack and let you know about that if you're not on Facebook. So podcast at gmail.com or you can always go onto the old Facebook page. So crack on with that. And that's pretty much everything. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back very, very soon. Boo-ra-rum. Boo-ra-rum.